You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to a special edition of the MHR Radio Podcast and Mile High Report Radio Podcast here. Adam Alnati, Ian St. Clair, along with our special guest for the episode, uh, Steve Atwater. The great Steve Atwater is joining us, future Hall of Famer Steve Atwater. Uh, Steve, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. You know, if you guys want me on, I'm there. You guys, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of... Take care of each other in that regard. You guys uh, come on our radio show. I come on podcast, and uh, yeah, it's great, great relationship. Great working with you guys. You guys give uh, wonderful information to your listeners, and, uh, and I think I told you this the last time we spoke, or one of the times before when we spoke that uh, when I was out of state, you know, you were the source for me keeping up with the Broncos. So uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> we definitely appreciate it too. So. It, it, you got news last week that you were a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the second time. What does that mean to you? And what would it mean to you to get that recognition if you're able to become an inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame that Saturday before the Super Bowl in Atlanta? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that would make it super special is, um, you know, being able to go in with, with uh, Mr. Bolin. Um, I would imagine he would be going in for sure this year. They say once people make it to the finalists uh, in the, in that category, uh, the contributors category, that 90, it's ninety percent chance they'll make it. So I'm 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 pretty sure he'll be going in. And uh, yeah, so to be able to go in with him would, would be an amazing thing because you know I, I have a ton of respect for him and you know just the relationship that we've had over the years. Uh, just you know. It, and I, I, that would be etched in stone. You know, each time I go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I would get a chance to see, hey, Mr. B's bus right here. We went in the same class. So, uh, you know, and there's a lot of other just, you know, sentimental reasons why it would be special to go in with Mr. B. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, to be acknowledged as one of the best players to play the game is, is certainly special. I feel like I, I played at a high level. I gave it everything that I had when I was on the field. Uh, I thought that the safety position back when I played, I thought it was important. Uh, although I've read uh, some scouting reports that said the safety position is the least important position of all the players. And I would just wonder if, you know, some of the voters in that feel the same way. Um, but there are some safeties in, so can't say that no safeties are in, but uh, certainly I think the safety group is underrepresented. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that, um, we had uh, we had Mason and Ryan on last week under the podcast, and we kind of talked a little bit about that. And, and Mason brought this up before uh, he tweeted it out. We've talked about it sort of a lot. The fact that from the All '90s Decades team, uh, that first first team for the All '90s Decades team is completely represented in the Hall of Fame except for two players, and that yeah. that's you and Leroy Butler. Both safe. No safeties, and that's sort of a strange thing. And then two years ago, Kenny Easley, in his Hall of Fame induction speech, sort of made a plea 
to you know to the committee let's get more safeties into the hall of fame it's an underrepresented group um this year's is, does it feel safety heavy and I, I you know just thinking about it ed reed's a first time uh you know this is his first time up to be in the hall of fame uh i i I would venture a guess that he's probably going to get in. He seems like one of those guys that you know something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty. He was pretty good, as I recall. I have to remember him playing pretty well. He was one of the best safeties ever played. I know a lot of people say he's number one. I I still give the nod to Ronnie Lott, and I got I got Ed Reed as as my number two safety. Uh, But he's still just an amazing player. He played with a ton of heart. He, He did a great job of leading his team. Uh, I just couldn't imagine him not being a first ballot guy. Uh, same thing with Champ Bailey too. I think he deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And uh, but you know, some people have I've heard say, "Well, I don't know about Champ, but you know, certainly Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed." But I'm like, "Yeah, well, I think Champ is in that same category." Speaking of the safeties, and Kenny easily bringing it up, why do you think the safety position is so underrepresented in the Hall of Fame? You know, I, I don't know. Um, it, it kind of boggles my mind because, you know, I think each position has a fair number of uh, representatives in the Hall of Fame. I'm looking at it here. Well, I guess uh, punters are a little underrepresented. They only have one punter in Ray Guy. That's fine. <laughs> so I guess they, they can plead their case and place kickers <laughs> only four. Uh, but uh, tight ends as well, not, maybe not a ton of tight ends. Uh, so there's some other people who could uh, kind of pound the table as well. Um, but especially when you consider there are two safeties on the field that are, you know, mostly all the time, sometimes three nowadays, um, you just wonder, you know, how the safety position isn't acknowledged a little bit more. And, uh, you, you know, you, I, there are a ton of players that we don't even really talk about. I mean, you know, Rodney Harrison, Bob Sanders, uh, you know, the, the list can go on and on. Dennis uh, Smith. Safety, I'm sorry. Dennis Smith. Oh, without question, Dennis Smith. Uh, the safety, Eric, Eric uh, I can't think of his last name, that played with the uh, Cleveland Browns, Eric Turner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Darren Sharper, although I know he's just in some – he's he in jail right now. But, <laughs> but On the field, he was good. He would have been a first, he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, too, I think. <laughs> You know, do you think maybe it's uh, it's a stats issue? You know, we're big baseball fans, and and there are specific numbers in baseball. If you hit a specific number, you're pretty much destined to the Hall of Fame. Whereas in the NFL, I feel like in some positions, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, those are those are stats driven areas as well, or they can be. When you're a safety, it's not as much about stats as it is about some of the things that you do on the field that change the way an offense approaches things. Like I would argue that when a team was preparing to play the Denver Broncos, they had to know where Steve Atwater was at all times, figure out where 27 is so that you don't get killed. And, you know, to me, that's something that's not as quantifiable, right? You can't put a number on that. Is that maybe the issue? I I think that has something to do with it. Now, certainly there were safeties in our era that had, you know, 40. There's Steve, uh, Steve Foley that, play with us he had 40 plus interceptions and uh, uh billy thompson he's up there pretty high with interceptions as well and just no love though so I, you know i don't know if it's 100 that but uh i would have a feeling that it, it does have something to do with it though uh i think well i mean when you look at um at uh, at john lynch let me see how many uh and he hasn't gotten in yet, but he's been a finalist. This is the sixth time being a finalist. 
John has 26 interceptions and he played 15 years. I had 24 and played um, played 11 years. So, you know, I, I can't really say that. It's just stats. Right. Just can't, it's, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. Steve Foley. Steve Foley can't get his name on the Broncos ring of fame. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I always kind of pound the table for him. I think he's definitely deserving. There's quite a few guys around town who I think are deserving of it. But I think uh, sometimes they look at, all right, well, how many how many Pro Bowls did he go to? Um, some of those. I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure. I, I would just imagine that that would be kind of a part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, there are a lot of, lot of players who uh, don't get the recognition that they, def- that they deserve. So if you're on the floor, you're you're in the room with the Hall of Fame selection committee, and it's not Jeff Legwald with ESPN who is more yeah. than likely going to present you, but it's you. Mm-hmm. What would your presentation for you be on why you should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to really talk about myself and you know to you know pound my own chest, but I would just say, I mean, I. I, I, I played the game the way I, I thought it should be played. I'm not saying that that's, you know, the right way. I'm not saying that, um, you know, everyone agreed with the way I played the game, but uh, I felt like I, I played tough. Um, I, I was a great teammate in terms of when new guys came onto the team, I did everything I could to get them up to speed. If, if I could help out any way, I would do that. And then, uh, hey, just, just flying to the ball. Uh, kind of relentlessly. Uh, I, I know that uh, play happened when I was in college where I was running to make a tackle and I thought the guy was down and I stopped and the guy broke out of the pack and ran in for a touchdown. And, you know, I, I, I tell the story like that play really changed my life because my coaches, they got on me and they made a big deal about it. I went back and looked at film. I was like, golly, man, you know, if I'd have just kept going, you know, there's no telling what would have happened. So um, from that point on, I, I made the point until the whistle blowing. I'm, I'm, I'm full speed to the to the ball, and until I until I see the guy down, I'm, I'm going. And uh, I think, um, you know, I, I think I played with the high level in, of intensity. Um, the interceptions, I, I dropped a few interceptions, uh, and I think that I, I don't know. I don't even know if if the voters go back and look at all of that, uh, but I, I certainly. Dropped the few interceptions that I could have had. Uh, I know Shannon used to always see, but boy, do you always drop two or three interceptions at the Pro Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> if you could catch you to play wide receiver, right? Isn't that isn't that the yeah, deal? Yeah, I kind of dislodge people from the ball. That's right. <laughs> ball should be on the ground when you're done with them, right? That's how it works. Yeah. No, I. You know what though? Uh, just. We just have to say congratulations. Um, we're, you know, we're pulling for you. I know that when we had uh, Mace and Ryan on, they said something to us that I thought really sort of encapsulated it. Uh, we as fans are kind of living through this vicariously through you. As I know that Broncos country is 100% behind you and, and believes you are a Hall of Famer. Even if the voters don't get it right, we know yeah. what the truth is. And so and just you know, from, from us to you, obviously – we wish you the best of luck and congratulations on getting as far as you have because it's it's truly an honor. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I remember uh, when I was first uh, a semifinalist and, um, you know, I had so many of my friends that we played against over the years, uh, they they were going in and, uh, you know, I was thinking that it would happen. And, you know, it was over the years, you start saying, hmm, maybe not, you know, um, maybe it's not going to happen. And, 
Uh, I'm hopeful that it does, but I've kind of, you know, made peace with with myself that hey, if it doesn't, and I've, I've been like this for a while. If it doesn't happen, it's not. It's not that we already know it's not in the world anyway. But uh, you know, I, I've, I've still had a, an amazing time. Uh, I had an amazing time playing in the NFL. You know, I had some great relationships and learned some valuable life lessons. So uh, if it doesn't happen, it's just, it's just one thing, you know, uh, and it's not going to take away from all the great things that's happened since, uh, you know, I was first drafted into the league by the Denver Broncos. And we're definitely doing our part with our 27 and 27. That's to right. At least, yeah, yeah. At least to get the the word out and and see and have the, the voters who are on social media at least see it and pay attention to it so that they they know that you're there. Yes, I appreciate it too. <laughs> All right, let's let's go ahead and turn our attention to to current events, I suppose. Um a lot of a lot of stuff going on in Broncos country right now. Uh new head coach, Gary Kubiak is uh is not going to be with the team anymore. Uh, wait, 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 or he's not going to be well, a coach. I don't know. Maybe you know more about it than I do. You know, I'm, I go off of all of the reports. I guess nothing is finalized, but he's he's clearly not going to be the offensive coordinator, right? right. Which right. I talk yeah, about. That's what how, I, that's what I read, but now have the Broncos said that, or is that something that we've heard from someone else? Uh, oh, I, I don't know. So now, so now you're yeah. now you're making me think because I came on your show yesterday and talked about how. Gary Kubiak was going to be great with Fangio, and then all of a sudden I felt like I looked bad, like I wasn't oh. paying attention. Hey, just, hey, trust me. Yeah, you weren't by yourself, man. We all were like, oh, <laughs> what the heck is going on here? <laughs> it's so, confusing. Uh, yeah, I saw the tweet uh, by Emmanuel looking at his phone like, what? <laughs> that was a great response, by the way. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so I guess well, give us your take on uh, – let's do this. What's your take on Fangio as a head coach? Well, I, I think that he's the right person for the job. Um, and I really hadn't really studied a lot on him until he became the head coach and got a chance to see the uh, experience that he's had, the, some of the players that he's coached. And um, you can just tell from when they announced that he was going to be the head coach, the response from the Bears players and the Bears organization, how much they're going to miss him and how – you know, they're, they're wishing them good luck. Uh, you know, that, that speaks volumes to me just, you know, about the, the type of person that they feel like they're losing and the type of person that, that we're getting. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy that's going to be able to really communicate well with the players. Uh, he's going to be a little bit of a player's coach, but at the same time, he's going he's gonna to hold them accountable. And, and I say player's coach in terms of, you know, being able to have some fun with the guys. Uh, but, but, but again, uh, the players know that, Hey, there's a line that you can't cross. Uh, I, I'm expecting you guys to to give it your all, and he's gonna he's gonna push them. And I, I think, I think really this past season that was something that we were missing. That uh, I don't feel like we fully got 110 percent out of everybody every play, and uh, that, it's vital with this league at this level of football that that uh, you know everybody's playing uh, on all cylinders in, in every game. And we again, I just I, I didn't see it. All the time, I saw it some, but it, it was it wasn't enough for us to you know make it to the playoffs and, and make a deep run in the playoffs. So uh, that, that's very exciting for me, and I would imagine Broncos country is extremely excited about the potential of seeing man if, if all our guys are you know 110 percent leaving on the field, fully invested, what can happen? How 
death by inches resonate with that locker room because it's it's a phrase that that Elway mentioned and then Fangio talked about and it's 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 stuck with the fan base and it's been one that's become incredibly popular but how how will that resonate in the locker room knowing that he's going to want and demand perfection you know what um i think that's just what the guys want i mean none of these guys got to the nfl by taking the shortcuts right they're used to being pushed they're used to you know playing at elite levels and giving everything that they have and being disciplined they couldn't have made it here if they weren't like that and you know as sometimes as, as the years go on if you're not reminded about it it can slip a little bit but uh, it'll be very familiar to everyone in the locker room, and I think they'll be able to, uh, you know, kind of all be on the same page right, right, right away. So, Fangio, head coach, who do you think? Who do you look at for defensive coordinator? What, where do you think they're going to go on that? Oh man, that's that's a good question. Uh, I know when when Fangio first uh, they first announced he was going to be the head coach, my first person came to my mind was uh, you know my former defensive backs coach. Uh, for four years, uh, from I think '95 to '98, Ed Donatel, uh, he was, you know, he came to my mind, and I was hoping that uh, he would be available coming from Chicago. But I believe uh, he had he interviewed for the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator position. Not sure if he's uh, they're talking to him or not, um, but he would be a guy who I know that could communicate well with the players. He's a he's an excellent teacher, and uh, he gets he gets the best out of his players as well, uh, and. I'm sure that uh, John and those guys, they'll, they'll you know, look around and, and find the right person. And as we heard Coach Fangio say, above all, he wants his coaches to be teachers. And uh, if you're not a good teacher, you're not going to be on the staff with them. So I have full confidence that he'll, he'll hire somebody who will be able to come in here and uh, teach first off, all the deep, first off the defense and then uh, teach the, the proper techniques and, and – kind of nuances of uh, playing the position. I got but a little one way, Sorry. One, one way that the Donatel move could happen is uh, Chuck Pagano is going to be the defensive coordinator for the Bears. That was announced by Chicago media on, on Friday. So it seems like the move to Donatel could, oh. I think it's one step closer. Okay. So there All we right. go. Hey, that's, I got my fingers crossed for that, but, uh, you know, we, we never know. I mean, I'm not in a – any, any of those meetings, so I uh, really don't know. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I'm sure there are several really qualified people out there that could could, could be the defensive coordinator. It was just really a matter of who, uh, who Fangio, who interviews well and who has a track record of being able to teach and, and uh, I won't say get on guys, but be able to motivate guys when you need to. A lot of times people think when – guys get to the NFL that they don't need to be motivated, but Hey, they do. I mean, you know, sometimes everybody needs a little pack in a pat, pat on the back or kicking the rear end. Uh, not, not, not literally speaking, but <laughs> you know, we all need it sometimes. And uh, you know, the types of coaches that, that can, can do that will certainly get the most out of their players. I like the idea of a teacher, and and in, if, in case you don't know, I am a teacher. That's my day job. So if yeah, they need yeah. me to come out and do some teaching, hey. I can do that, and I'll be happy to hey, well, help out. I've had John call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably would. I'd stutter too much. I'd get so excited. John always yeah. talking to me. All right, what do I do with that? <laughs> um, so there's a lot going on here, and uh, Ian, what did 
Where do you want to go here? We got we got a lot of directions to take this. Well, one thing that came out on Friday, well, along with all the Kubiak stuff, is it looks like the Broncos are also going to target Mike Munchak to be the offensive line coach. What do you think of that? And is it as big of a coup as Adam and I think it would be? Hey, man, that would be like, you know, it's like Christmas uh, or back-to-back Christmas. I like that. Christmas on the 25th and on the 26th. <laughs> we need back-to-back Christmases then. Yes, yes, yes. I, when, when I saw that, man, I was like, man, can this really happen? But he's available. Uh, his contract is up with, with Pittsburgh, so uh, he's certainly available. And I, I mean, I wonder if a guy who was interviewing for the head coaching position could humble himself to say, all right, I, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to come in and uh, – you know, would he be the offensive line coach or would he be the offensive coordinator? Good question. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, would he come over and make a lateral move as offensive line coach or, you know, could he, uh, you know, run the actual offense? And I'm not sure if he's ever been an offensive coordinator. I know he's been a head coach, but I'm not sure if he's been a coordinator. He, he hasn't been a coordinator. And I think one way that the, the, the move, the lateral move could make sense is just like with Bill Kolar, the reason he came to Denver and got on Wade Phillips' staff was because he wanted to be by his by family and grandkids. And yeah. Munchak has his granddaughter and and um, uh, I think stepson and daughter are here. So I think that, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I I would absolutely love it to have him work with that offensive line. Oh, so would I. So would I. And I would you know hey well, whatever it takes, man. If, if you're interested in coming here. I, I roll out the red carpet and, and welcome them with open arms. Yeah, definitely. And, and and it all depends on who ends up being the offensive coordinator. And it's such a it's such a up in the air situation right now. I think that uh, you know who knows what what's going to happen with that. But uh, are, are there any any things that you want to see from an offensive coordinator? Any anything that you think would be uh, the best fit for the Broncos right now as they are constituted talent wise? Well, um, I, I want to get someone in here who is one who's a, who's a good teacher, who has a good offensive scheme, obviously, but who can teach the players in the most efficient way how to learn the offense and, you know, how to kind of go through a progression in their minds, each player at each position, of kind of what to do. I, I know when I played safety, there was a set routine I had for every play. You know, I look over at the sidelines see what the defense was. I look and see what, what uh, personnel the the offense had. I, you know, then I have to figure out, all right, which side of the tight end lining up. So I had to, you know, locate the tight end. First thing when they come breaking the huddle, to see which side he's lined up to because I'd either be to his side or away from him. And, you know, as the play started, I'd look at, you know, various things, the receiver, and then to the uh, opposite tight end to kind of get a feel for what's happening. But, you know, this that system that I had, I would like to see more players have. I know, I know probably the majority of them do, but I can tell for sure a lot of them don't. <laughs> uh, someone but, who uh, knows. I, I like to say a, per, a person who yeah, has a great system, but even more important than that, just, again, a guy that could, could teach the system to the players and, and the players be able to go out and execute with um, – you know, with excellence, you know, I want them to be good at, at, at the things that they do. And they, they may not do a ton of things, but the things that they do, I want them to know it inside now. 
how much of a help would it be for Vic Fangio to spin the last season that he did in Chicago with Matt Nagy? Oh man, I can imagine. And, uh, you know, I remember when they came up to training camp and we, we had the joint practices and, uh, man, that offense, they, they were, they were hitting on all cylinders and, uh, you know, we had a difficult time stopping them up in training camp and, uh, you know, they had some really good players as well, but, you know, sometimes guys would just be running wide open. It's not like they, they beat our guys. It's just, they, they kind of out schemed us. Uh, and you know, that, that showed me that Matt Nagy is a guy who is, you know, on the cutting edge of, of offenses and he's doing a good job of teaching, teaching the guys how to run it. You know, they weren't uh, on different pages. I think that the players and the coaches were on the same page. And um, that, that's, that's a big part of having success. So to you, it's more about getting somebody in with, with a scheme that fits, not so, not so much about who the guy is, but what he can do with the players that are on the field and, and the scheme that he's running and being able to to sort of win the chess match. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm not so much into saying, all right, um, this system fits these guys on the roster because you never know who's going to be on the roster from year to year. I mean, you know, we can go in a draft and or we can go like I've heard some people saying and we trade and get A.B. <laughs> Have you guys heard that? We <laughs> haven't heard about that, yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about it. <laughs> well, if, so if that happens, I mean, you got to just, if you're a scheme guy, you got to change your whole scheme up. You know, so I'm into, hey, if you got a good system and you can teach it well, I think it can work with, with, with the players that you have. And, um, you know, but but again, you got to be able to teach the, the the smaller nuances of the of the offense and defense. Uh, so when guys get in situations that they haven't been in too frequently, they know what to do, and you know it just comes comes naturally to them because they, they they've gone over it so much in practice. How do you feel about AB potentially coming to the Broncos? Oh man, you know what? Uh, I, I, I would imagine like everyone else uh, in terms of the talent that he has. He's a, he's an elite talent. Um, now I'd be interested to see how he and Emmanuel Sanders will be on the same team, uh, because you know I know he, you know he's 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 got that that that, that dominant a personality. Uh, you know I, I don't know if two of those, two of those guys could coexist. It would be great if they could, uh, but I would love to have him on the team. Uh, the only question is, could Coach Fangio kind of reel him in a little bit? You know, or will he? You know, kind of, kind of go off on the tent. Now he he works hard. He's he's a hard worker. Uh, the only thing that some people question is his uh, how good of a teammate he is. And um, you know, when you have rough times, you know, good teammates are or what get you through it. Good teammates and good coaches are what get you through it. And uh, when you're having bad times, last thing you want on your team is a is a is a really selfish guy. And I don't know AB. I don't know if he's selfish or not. But uh, you know, some some of his actions seem a little selfish to me. But you know, um, each his own in that regard. Yeah, it just seems like uh, some of the drama up there in Pittsburgh, they were able to get away with it because they were winning, and then now they're not, you know, they had a bad season. All that drama sort of comes to a head. And, um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. They, I mean, they did play together in Pittsburgh, but I think, right. Emmanuel, you know, Emmanuel, when he was in Pittsburgh, it, he was a different player, at least status-wise, right? When we say his status on, on the Steelers was sort of Antonio Brown's, you know, he was the, he was second on that yeah. team, 
bringing Antonio Brown to the Broncos with Emmanuel Sanders on the team, what would that do? Uh, or would Emmanuel Sanders even still be around at that point? Would you maybe have to move on from him? Yeah, man, with, with AB in town, uh, it will be difficult to pay um, both of those guys the type of money that, you know, they both deserve and they're going to gonna demand. Um, so I would imagine, man, if AB came, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, Emmanuel, he's coming off an injury. You never know if he'd be, be willing to kind of work with the Broncos. I know he loves it here in Denver. So, um, but, but you never know. You never know. You know, if the, the, the financial part will, will, will kick in and his agent will probably be in his hey, you can go to this place and get, you know, X million dollars more. So, um, you know, you just, just never know how this how is going to turn out. Um, but, you know, from a, a, a coordinator, offense coordinator's position or, you know, from a guy who a former player who loves his team, I would love to see the both of them on the same team <laughs> here in Denver. <laughs> Since we're in the midst of the playoffs, we constantly hear from from coaches and players, former coaches, former players, that when you get to the postseason, it's completely different. That when you go from the regular season to the postseason, you can feel the difference, you can see the difference. How would you put into words the difference between the regular season and the postseason and what it's like to play in the postseason? All right, so during the regular season, it's kind of like you're walking around, it's starting to get dark, and somebody has a flashlight, you know, from across the way, and you, know, you can look at it, is that a flashlight on me? But then once you get into the playoffs and as you get closer to the Super Bowl, the closer it goes from a flashlight to having that spotlight, you know, when the detectives have you in the room with the spotlight on you. <laughs> <laughs> so it just you know it gets uh way more unique and you know the you're kind of the only game in town like there, there's one playoff game today uh oh i'm sorry two today two tomorrow uh and then next week is going to be one one on saturday one on sunday and then the big game and uh you know so you always knew that there are just way more eyes on you. The more you win, especially at the end of the season, you're just going to have a lot more eyes on you. And uh, for me, I just wanted to continue to play at a high level, continue to do the things that I did during the regular season and, um, you know, try not to, you know, do anything extraordinary or try to make a play that is somebody else's play to make. Uh, just, you know, do your thing. Do If everybody does their job, we're going to be fine. But, if, you know, we start trying to do more than we can because of the stage, it, it could be a problem. So, yeah, I, I, that's kind of how I describe it, um, you know, going from regular season to playoffs. And, again, the deeper you get into the playoffs, man, the, 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 bigger, the bigger the stakes. And, you know, everybody knows this, hey, loser goes home, and we don't want to go home. You know, it's I almost love like that description. yeah, it's great. You know what I, I keep seeing in my mind is that like a small light down at the end of a tunnel, and then as the playoffs get closer and closer, the light gets bigger and bigger. And then if yeah. you're not careful, that train's gonna run you over, Ooh, and right. that and that's getting blown out in the playoffs, in my opinion. Right. <laughs> so right. it's all, you know, you, yeah, you're either gonna <laughs> you're either gonna you're either gonna get past that train or that train's gonna run you over. I just I love that image. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and and you. 
I got to say, Steve, you in, in your career, when the lights were brightest, that's when you were at your best. I would I would have to say that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, again, I was I was fortunate to to be on on, on some really good good teams and uh, have coaches who put players in position to make plays and um, you know kind of took advantage of our skill set. You know, back then, guys, you know, in, in the AFC West, especially, we had these huge running backs running the ball, Christian Okoye, um, what's my man name, Marion Butts for the Chargers. <laughs> Oh, man, Chris Warren for the Seahawks, Cole Jackson. (laughs) Marcus Allen. Who was that? Marcus Allen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very word. Very Uh, word. Yeah, yeah. It was just headache after headache. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. You were either giving headaches or getting headaches in in that scenario, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We knew going into the game, like, man, it's going to be a long one. Yeah, you're going to take a couple of uh, Advil before the game and after. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned uh, the bright lights of the Super Bowl. There is a play in the Super Bowl that highlights when we were at the beginning of the podcast, you were talking about that play in Arkansas. And the play that I immediately thought of was in Super Bowl 32 near the end of the game where you were going to knock out anyone who was around you. What? Oh, hey. I just I, – I remember, like, it was yesterday, that ball going up. I'm like, wait a minute. I know it's – we're in the fourth quarter. I can't let anybody touch this ball. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm waking up, looking up at Greek and, like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was uh, – yeah, that, this prime example. Like, got to go. Got to go to the ball. Go to the whistle. Mace said that had they given out a defensive MVP for that game, it would have gone to you. Well, yeah, it would have been deep, but, yeah, they don't do that, though. It's just just one. <laughs> <laughs> there have been some defensive players who've gotten it in the Super Bowl. Von Miller, of course. Von Miller, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think if I would have caught that interception that I dropped, I, I think I would have had a good chance of uh, getting it. But TV had a, an amazing game, too. So, he and John, they both played well. And, you know, to me, that, that was the last thing on my mind. I was just happy that we won the Super Bowl finally and, Got that monkey off our back. Sure, you got to lift the trophy, you know, and and uh, you guys got to do that twice, twice. Yes, <laughs> That's right. exactly, exactly. So I'm like, I don't care who's the player of the game. We just won the football. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good stuff. And I, you know, I always say, it, like Ian said, you set the tone for that Super Bowl with the strip sack. So to, to me, Super Bowl 32 without without Steve Atwater's strip sack of the great Brett Favre that game goes a different direction probably. So um, that's 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 always like my favorite moment. Everybody's got their favorite. That one's mine. Yeah, that was one of my favorites too. And, uh, you know, I know Wade, you know, we had been practicing it all week. Uh, I remember Wade, Greg, <laughs> Greg, throw <I'm> Wade Phillips, <laughs> Greg Robinson. We had been practicing that blitz all week. And, um, you know, I, I got up in the game a little bit early. I went up in there faking it like I was coming and I knew I wasn't coming. I had playing cover two and uh, you know as as we got closer I knew it was coming and uh, you know I, I think the guys thought that I was just doing the same thing I had done earlier and uh, wound up coming and ended up ended up working out well and everybody everybody did their part Neil Smith got the recovery and uh, hey it was that was a good play for our, getting the ball back for the offense before we wrap up I, I want to ask you what it's been like to 
to be in radio and and develop the chemistry and rapport that you've developed over the last year and a half or so with Mace and Ryan on your first and 10 at 10 show and how you've how you've grown and and what it and what appreciation that you've gotten for the game that maybe you didn't have before you did the radio show with them yeah well I mean it's been really an amazing journey um and I remember when I was first on I was on with uh, Brandon Cristal uh we had a show on a couple of hours uh in the mornings and uh, you know, I know many times he, yeah, I still do this from time to time. Now they'll, they'll, they'll say some things and then they'll come to me. And I'm like, I don't have anything to say right now. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately we got three of us. So normally if uh, like if Ryan, he makes a statement and if I don't have anything to say, Macy has something to say. And there's times when Macy, he's on his computer, you know, getting his calculations together and, you know, he, he'll come to Macy. He's not ready either. And, and I'll, I'll pop in. So uh, it's great that we have the three of us there to do that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's been been, been an amazing journey. I'm, I'm, I'm learning every day. I, I know I'm not at my final destination, but um, in terms of how good I hope to become. But uh, I just I keep showing up every day, uh, you know, working hard and, and trying to improve, man. And, and hey, as long as I don't quit, I, I won't lose. So, uh, again, I got – the guys that I'm working with, they, they, they're helping me out in any way that they can. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from them just, you know, being being on air and, you know, seeing how much stuff Ryan does uh, to, to keep the show uh, going and, you know, coming up with, with interesting topics that, that people enjoy hearing about. And then, you know, making it fun for us to to interact. And, you know, we, we challenge each other. We, we uh, you know, have uh, give each other a hard time quite a bit. Sometimes people may think that we're mad at each other, but we're not. You know, we we forgive each other at the end of the show every, every day. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's, it's been great though, and uh, yeah, I do. I, I appreciate the game even more now, uh, being in the media. And but I, I start to understand that after I finish playing, it just how big of a part the media and the reporters, the TV, all all of the the more kind of, it's not marketing, but it is. Uh, you know, you, you guys are keeping the stories of the players, the story of the, the, the football games, keeping it out in front of the public. So, uh, you know, they don't have to dig up underneath sofas to find the information. And you're making it readily available for them. And uh, it makes the game more interesting. And it's, it's attracting more and more fans, as you know, at, at younger ages. And uh, that, that does nothing but make the game better and, Again, hey, it helps these guys make the salaries that they make uh, because more and more people know about it. So, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate it. And uh, it's uh, I, I didn't know that it was uh, as vital as it was back when I was playing. Definitely, definitely. Well, Steve, I got to tell you, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, and joining us and chatting football. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun for us. And uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to you and and, and sort of kind of see you grow in this career now, uh, kind of as you did as a as a player with the Broncos, you know, back in the '90s. Yeah, I'm going from uh, little league to, to grade school now. <laughs> <laughs> I got a ways to go to get to the league, though. <laughs> That's right. You'll eventually get there. I've, we have no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah we'll keep grinding. <laughs> You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, 
Go Broncos!